The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said, after he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have seen, not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Grace and peace to you from God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are in our second week of Easter. We are still celebrating Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, death has been defeated, and we have been reconciled with God. Everything is perfect now. No more fear, no more doubt. We are all self-assured in our faith, right? If you are hesitant about what I just said, then good, you should be. While death has been defeated and we have been brought into a new relationship with God, we learn in this gospel that immediately after the initial revelation of the resurrection, there is still fear and doubt among the disciples. We begin in a locked room where the disciples are hiding in fear of the Jews. And it's important to acknowledge from the offset that the disciples are not fearful of all Jewish people, they are Jewish themselves. They are in fear of the Jewish leaders who helped in the arrest of Jesus, according to John's Gospel. Ultimately, though, fear is still present after the resurrection. We also see the disciples when they do not have faith. In John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, the story that precedes today's Gospel, we see Mary Magdalene, Peter, and the disciple whom Jesus loved, all at the tomb and realizing the resurrection. Mary, in particular, has a powerful moment with the risen Christ where Jesus calls her by name and she comes to believe. We then learn that Mary went off and announced to the disciples that she had seen the Lord and all of the things that had happened. Yet the disciples still doubted until Jesus was revealed to them. And while we're not exactly told which disciples are in that room hiding, we know that the disciple Thomas is missing. 
When the disciples who had seen the risen Christ come and tell him what they have seen, Jesus replies that, Thomas replies that he will not believe, he will not believe unless he sees it for himself, unless he is able to touch Jesus' wounds for himself. A week later, Thomas finally gets to experience the risen Christ and see the wounds from the crucifixion himself. Jesus asks him to no longer doubt, but to believe, to which Thomas gives one of the most profound declarations of who Jesus is in the Bible, my Lord and my God. I think this story gives Thomas kind of a bad reputation. He is being portrayed as being riddled with doubt, unable to believe in the resurrection without having proof. Even Jesus, in revealing himself to Thomas, asks him to believe. We so often associate Thomas with doubt that he has been given the title Doubting Thomas, which is an idiom used to refer to a skeptical person. But why do we define Thomas by this title? We see in the gospel that Thomas comes to believe. He no longer doubts. Thomas is the one that makes that profound declaration of who Jesus is. He absolutely has faith. But what led him to believe? It was Jesus presenting himself that led Thomas to believe. Thomas gives his terms for his belief in verse 25 by stating, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas is asking for the same thing that the other disciples received a few verses earlier that will allow him to believe. And while this seems like kind of a strange request from our point of view, asking for evidence for our belief, Jesus freely gives it to Thomas, just like he did with the other disciples. It is not the resurrection itself that causes the disciples to believe, but in this free giving of himself as evidence of the resurrection that brings about their faith. Even greater, it is Jesus' willingness to give us what we need for faith that brings belief. Thomas asks to touch the mark of the nails and the wound on Jesus' side in order to have faith. And despite the many artistic depictions of this event throughout history, the gospel never actually states that he does. And the disciples in the story, though not demanding a sign, come to believe when Jesus offers himself to them. Even Mary, in the account before today's gospel, only comes to recognize the resurrected Jesus when she hears him call her by her name. This free giving and recognition of what we need for faith is not just something of the past exclusive to the first disciples. It still applies to us today. Jesus is still in the habit of meeting us where we are. Jesus knows that we are going to struggle with faith, especially us in a post-ascension world who have never physically met the living Jesus are going to struggle. Yet Jesus is still going to meet us where we are and freely give us what we need to believe. I've spent a lot of time pondering over the past year what I need in order to have faith and what would cause me to struggle. In my very long 24 years of life, I spent the majority of that time truly struggling with my faith. Much of the pain in my personal life was bleeding into my spiritual one, leading me to question the promises and love of God that I had learned so much about in Sunday school. In order to keep myself safe, and from having to encounter the similar pain again and again, I closed myself off, like I was hiding with my grief behind a locked door, similar to what the disciples did. However, 
When I started college at the University of Pittsburgh, I came to find the Lutheran Campus Ministry at Pitt, a community that helped me encounter the freely given grace of God and reignite my faith. There were so many occasions where the campus pastor and the campus ministry helped me so immensely that I started moving away from my fear and my doubt. But one time in particular stands out. It was around finals week in the winter of my junior year, and I was not doing well. I was studying nonstop for a physics exam. I was confident I was going to fail. I had not eaten in a few days and was surviving off the equivalent of about five energy drinks. I had not slept more than two hours in quite some time, and I had just gotten into a nasty fight with some members of my family. I felt worthless, and I felt like a failure. And on top of all of this, I, started to seriously, I was starting to seriously discern a call to ministry. But given how I was feeling, it sort of felt like a pointless endeavor. Clearly, God would not want someone like me in ministry given my circumstances. I felt abandoned. Somehow, in my grief, I ended up at the campus ministry and ran into the campus pastor there. Clearly realizing my distress, he helped me. He made sure I ate some food and drank some water before my exam, gave me space to cry out about my pain, and he prayed with me. And while I can no longer remember the words of the prayer we prayed, the feelings that it invoked are still with me. I trusted that things were going to be okay. I felt the peace and love of God that surpasses all understanding, and I felt hope. That moment with the campus ministry and the campus pastor gave me what I needed for faith. It allowed Christ to break through the door that I was hiding behind. I experienced a God who saw me for who I was created to be despite my pain, ministered to me when I felt forgotten and alone, and named me as beloved even though I couldn't see it. This is what I needed for faith, to be seen, to be cared for, and to be loved, without which I would not be where I am today. God gives us all we need for faith, but this is not a one-time cure-all. As many of you are likely aware, we will still struggle with our faith, and we will continue to doubt. Doubt is such a reality that in my orientation to seminary, we were told if we didn't struggle with our faith at least once in our first year, we weren't doing seminary right. And you know what? They were right. I have struggled a fair bit in the past year. But that's okay. Even the first disciples, despite seeing the living, breathing, resurrected Christ, continued to struggle. In the story following today's gospel in John chapter 21, we hear the story of seven of the disciples going out to fish and not recognizing Jesus until he performs a miracle by filling their empty fishing nets. They have seen the resurrected Jesus before, and despite this, they still struggle to believe. Doubt is inevitable, and God knows that. Knowing that we will struggle, Jesus continually graces us with what we need for faith. God shows up in ways that are personal to each of us and in ways we can experience God as a community, where we can see, taste, and touch the risen Lord. Despite, despite it being unclear if Thomas actually touched the wounds of the resurrected Christ, every week the risen God is put into our hands during communion, 
we see Jesus' body and blood being freely given to us and nourishing our faith. And in baptism, a sacrament we will be celebrating and witnessing later today, we see God coming to claim us as God's own beloved in those waters, waters which we are called to remember daily as we experience God's grace. We are certain we will come to see our resurrected God through these sacraments. Even beyond our sacraments, we see the risen Christ in our service to others. During the peace, when we shake the hand of our neighbor, we shake the hand of Christ. When we feed the hungry, we are feeding Christ. When we advocate for, the, for oppressed communities, we advocate for Christ. And when a tornado blows through Upper Dublin and devastates the community, when we act to care for those affected, we care for Christ. So if you're struggling with your faith, do not be afraid. You will be given what you need in due time, and you will join a great cloud of witnesses who have also struggled. If you are worried about closing yourself off from any sort of aid, Jesus was able to make it through locked doors. He will be able to come to you. And if you do not know what you need to sustain your faith, you can ask God for inspiration, or you can look to the places where we know Jesus is. In the bread and wine in communion, in the waters of baptism, and in our service to others. We are not alone. Yes, there is still doubt and fear in our post-resurrection world. Those things have yet to fall away. But God is with us, even if we can't always see it. God cares for us so much that God will freely give us what we need to believe. May we receive all that we need for faith from our risen God. And may we come to a place where we can utter the same declaration that Thomas did, my Lord and my God. Amen.